0: visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Joke All.
2: Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And we invite you to look for this show on Twitter as hashtag leadership. The t- topic today is, is leadership a team sport? And our guest for today's show is George Serdu, who's the Executive Vice President and Chief Technology Officer with Comerica Banks. Hi, George. How are you? Good morning. Hey,
3: Sanjak, Very good, and Happy New Year to everybody.
2: Happy New Year to you as well. Now, uh, this topic we picked up is because the inspiration was uh, uh, an African philosophy, or rather a saying there, which, co- which says, I am because we are. So if you look at leadership, leadership is by design seen as a singular, where an individual who's like a Pied Piper trying to uh, lead everyone to a given direction. Mm-hmm. However, an individual's existence or their effectiveness is not totally to the, the maximum level till the we part, all other people who are making that leader the leader are all, is also taken into account. So if we were to look at leadership, as as um, as a term, would you say that it is a team sport?
3: Oh, absolutely. I, you know I, I don't think this is any surprise to um, any of your listeners, but um, you know, being a, a long term um, person involved in sports and athletics over my career, I, I certainly uh, came to the conclusion that if you don't make a connection between sport, Uh, the word team and leadership, you're totally missing the boat, Um, especially in IT. Um, IT solutions for your company are really based on uh, involvement from virtually all aspects of the IT organization, whether it's architects, uh, production support people, infrastructure people, software developers, testers, business analysts. Um, and even, obviously, our clients as we define our requirements. So without um, a complete engagement um, of a team, these things just don't happen.
2: So if you look at the makeup of a team, in, in the context of where we say leadership is a team sport, Would you say there is one leader and rest followers or there are all leaders because that could have its own results based on too many chefs cooking the broth or too many people trying to lead in too many different directions or a set of people who are just good at doing a certain function and there are some people who are visionaries and folks who other people want to follow. So what's the makeup of a team where we can call leadership as a team sport?
3: You know I've always believed um, in that old phrase of leaders at all levels and i and I really do believe that uh, that doesn't mean that you've got too many cooks in the kitchen, as they say, but um, uh, leadership really needs to be uh, needs to permeate throughout an entire organization. Um, everybody has a role um, and every everyone needs to provide uh, strong leadership in the fulfillment of that role. you know forever um, I think uh, we have. We have seen uh, colleagues who have been good supervisors, um, some folks uh, who've been good managers, uh, where they're either doing a good job in terms of career development and filling out time cards and those kinds of things, but m- much less in the way of leaders um, and, uh, and even fewer leaders of leaders. And I think that's where... Um, one of the key responsibilities of of everyone is to focus on how do we develop that lead, those leadership qualities, those leadership capabilities, not only for today but for the future. And um, in in my view, there is a difference. There's a big difference between managers and supervisors and leaders.
2: So when you go about trying to pull this team together, or maybe the team was somehow inherited in most cases by people who are trying to make this as a team sport and make everyone come into that leadership mindset, how do you make sure that whether it is inherited or Mm -hmm. it is the one which you build organically when somebody like yourself as a leader comes on board, is moving it into that I am because we are mindset?
3: Well, I think it begins with a common purpose, and um, and I think that is really really critical. Um, let me make a comment though back on my last statement around leaders versus managers. I, I think leadership um, <clears throat> begins with the ability to influence, to positively influence an organization, and that can be done in a lot of different ways. But it's that strong influencing set sort of influencing skills to me that really separates leadership from management. And with that as a backdrop, then defining a common purpose for that team and getting that team to rally around that purpose, whatever that is, is fundamental to the success of that project and ultimately the success of the team and the success of the company. So common purpose is, um, is at the top of my list.
2: So when you look at this approach that you just mentioned, is about having a common purpose. Now, that commonality is achieved where it has to start somewhere. Can it be where it starts from a supervisor or a manager or even an operator? and saying this is the purpose we ought to be pursuing or it isn't a fiduciary responsibility just because of the role that you play as a leader is for you to trigger it and then get that disseminated and then get that adopted for it to be a common purpose? Where should it originate? Well, I think it goes
3: both ways. Uh, That that sounds like a a soft answer, Um, but uh, to make it a little harder, I I do believe it needs to start at the top. I think the top of the house needs to set a, a set of goals, and um and and therefore, ultimately uh well a vision, a set of goals, and then obviously a set of objectives and then those need to be translated throughout the organization into what they mean uh, how are they actualized across the organization, and ultimately, that means um, that you 're seeing those. Um, uh, at all levels of the organization, and therefore uh, you need leadership at all levels in terms of being able to articulate those um, and, again, turn that common purpose um, into a set of objectives by which that individual or that team, can actually contribute to the overall success. Uh, we used to call that for years shared objectives, um, and that's probably just uh, you know as good a term as anything else. But I think uh, if you're truly going to have one team, um, and that mindset is, I think, very, very important for a company. One team, uh, a one-team concept, um, that one-team concept needs to, um, drive a set of shared objectives, <clears throat> and the leaders throughout the organization need to understand <clears throat> what those shared objectives are and, and again, how, how to actualize those, and you can do that in a lot of different ways. Uh, metrics is a big part of that in terms of demonstrating uh, that, you, um, that you're delivering against those shared objectives, but um, but it's one team. It's a set of shared objectives. Ultimately, needs to start at the top of the house and then and be driven down throughout the entire organization.
2: Now, sometime back, I watched a movie where they showed that there was a hockey team and that hockey team where the, 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 when the team was assembled, they themselves came as superstars from their own respective leagues and they were too much about themselves. But the coach had to say, first, you're playing for your country, then you're playing for your team and then playing for yourself. And it is not uncommon for this to happen at the time when you're trying to assemble a team of your own. And what are the techniques or what are the approaches that you will take besides, of course, laying out that common shared objective for them to let go of them and work towards that organization and that team and then themselves?
3: So I think that's where um, this whole influencing concept uh, comes from. uh, relative to um, leadership differentiation, leaders have to tell a story. they have to be able to tell a story on what it means to everyone on the team when you get uh, when you get to that end state, whatever that end state is. Uh, people want to know what is it you know ultimately people want to know what does it mean to me um, and if you can tell that story uh, in a way that all can um, connect with. Um, then you're there. Then you're there. Then that team is going to all roll in the same direction, um, and you do have to break down. Leaders have to break down those individual biases on on um, you know what what we want ourselves versus what's good for uh, the organization. You know, over the years, I think I you know I've seen experiences where we have. We have had team recognition, um, um, including financials, where we've we've told a team if you get this over the goal line, you're all going to benefit financially from it, not just the project manager or the, the lead developer or whatever. Um, and so, uh, recognizing them as a team, rewarding them as a team, is um, uh, you know are a couple of the things that you can do to ultimately demonstrate. why you want them to act like a team. But I think, again, uh, leaders need to be able to tell that story and and be able to make that connection.
2: Now, you mentioned about creating that shared objective or a common purpose. So it becomes like a hub-and-spoke model where each individual is tying back to that common objective. Awesome. Great. Now, point is also there is an interplay required among the two members of the team. And If that camaraderie doesn't exist, just creating a hub-and-spoke approach to getting them to work in one single direction, they will somehow get there. We get it. However, the interplay or lack of it, basically, is going to cause a lot of strain and friction Mm. along the way, which is not truly getting the most out of the team's combined strength or uh, one, one person working well with the other person. How do you make that happen?
3: Well, clearly, that's the responsibility of of um, of the senior leader, the senior project manager, uh, the senior program manager. Um, you know, those those perceptions have got to be part of um, the analysis that goes on through through um, through the life of that project. Um, I'm not so sure. I know you made the comment that said if we have that team friction and if there are parties that are working, I'll, I'll just say against each other. You may still get to the end state. You may, uh, but in IT, I've seen um, that get realized by projects being late, projects costing more money, um, and um, and missed expectations. And so um, a fundamental part, another fundamental ingredient of leadership in addition to influencing skills is um, is having those human insights Um from a team standpoint, and that's why going back to your question, is leadership a team sport? Um, team dynamics are very, very important, and good coaches, good managers have that ability um, you know, to understand and to, uh, to see through those team dynamics, and leaders have to do the same thing.
2: No. Leaders do the right things, and managers do the things right. If we and managers who were handling two or three people who were having friction among themselves somehow get them to work together and eventually get to the role, that truly does not kindle the spirit of leadership within those two or three individuals so that this doesn't require an additional resource just to manage those individuals. And then they become leaders in their own right and try to maximize their potential and also play well with each other, and and basically make the manager redundant. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be the epitome of what you would like to see, where leadership truly becomes a team sport? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean,
3: again, you know, go back to um, athletics. Um, you know, clearly, <laughs> uh, just like in athletics, uh, business teams are going to have um, colleagues who aren't going to get it um and ultimately the team um has to displace them has to move them out um uh, because their performance and the, the team performance will be degraded. And ultimately, it's, it's visible. Those are things I, I, I truly believe you can't hide. Um, you certainly can't hide over time. And, and you know, part of uh, leadership is, uh, in, in the team dynamics is to identify those and address those. And companies are no different, uh, whether you're in an a, a athletic uh, a professional event and um, people get traded or um, the same thing haps, has to happen in business um uh but those that are performing uh, need to get recognized and they get need to get recognized um uh you know based on the commitments that you made going into it so um you know I think ultimately uh you know you lead by example and uh when your teammates see what uh, a one team concept can deliver um, and shared objectives can deliver. Um you know I've just seen where uh, people will rally around that. Uh, we've had some things over the last couple of years where we've made some pretty significant commitments on increased output, increased delivery are um, just improving our capacity um, and we made those shared objectives across the organization and the teams have not only met that they've exceeded it and um, and I believe that strongly and the teams when you when you get teams moving in the right direction, um, there's no stopping them.
2: Let's take a quick break, listeners, we'll be right back, and look at the way the definitions may be changing when you look at in a digital world that we live in and distributed world that we live in or externally focused or, or using other partners which are external to our organization. How do you bring a team into a, into a mode where they are stable, they are thinking alike, as we were talking about, about a common purpose, and have those personality conflicts minimized or removed, especially when you are not truly reporting to the same manager, you may not be even working in the same company. So what does a leader do to influence all those disparate sets of individuals or groups to still make it a team sport? Please stay tuned, listeners, we'll be right back.
4: Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing.
5: The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option. It's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google lead the charge portal.
1: If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Jog All.
2: Welcome back. So, uh, George, the digital age that we live in, or distributed age that we live in, or the one where we have multiple partners who are helping us get our jobs done and, and get our initiatives uh, from ideation to fruition, that team is not under one geographic location. It is not under one individual leader's influence or set of managers. It is not even one under one organization. But that is a reality. That's where we are going. Do you think there also a leadership can be a team sport or we'll have two or three teams trying to figure out how to work together?
3: So, I think you can uh, and there's and there are a lot of different ways a lot of companies have done this uh, in different ways, and uh, my experiences um, aren't aren't too different than I'm sure what other companies have done but you know contractually we've built uh, contractual agreements uh, based on again a set of shared objectives uh, where we all benefit when we succeed um, and su- succeed uh, as defined by timing and cost and quality um, but, you know, there's a softer side of this uh, that I think is really, really important. And I believe and this. I believe this, uh, I believe this uh, deeply. I have not met IT professionals, whether they worked for me or they work for our partners, that get up in the morning and want to do a bad job. I've just not seen it. I've not seen IT people or experienced IT people who've said, I want to bring a server down, I want to bring the network down, I want to write bad code. You know, human nature inherently wants to excel. I really believe this. And, um, and you know, we surround ourselves. We hire what we believe are good people. Um, and, and those are some of the things we look for, those kinds of traits when we hire people. So part of what we've got going for us are people that care, people that want to do a good job. Um, there are times you tighten that up uh by through you know contracts and those kinds of things and commitments around rewards and recognition um but um i i i really uh, i think it can be and it is being done um uh, whether we've we're, we're building the whole thing ourselves or whether we're partnering with others
2: now when you look at the the contractual side of it that doesn't really trigger the human emotion that or maybe it does but it does more a fear based versus faith based so how do you how do you really see that helping the end goal of you truly making it a team sport or or that is something which we should just not even bother going
3: well it, it, I mean, it's it's uh, at times it's the hard reality of of running a business because you know you are making firm commitments whether it's to your shareholders or your or your customers, um, and you don't want to miss those dates. So sometimes you have to do that, but um, you know, to me, it's you know it's back to the carrot and the stick. And I agree with you that at times can be the, the stick, uh, but it also depends on how you write that contract. If if you write the contract as being punitive, then then it's a stick if you if you write it as a way to uh, reward excellence um it's it's totally different so you can write contracts where you don't you know, you know this is not a penalty this is a reward um when we when we deliver certain things
2: so can a person an individual be a good leader but a poor team player um
3: Well, the obvious answer is I'm sure you can. Um, uh, you know, we have, um, <clears throat> in in the IT profession, we have um, sometimes technical specialists who are, who are very, very focused on their their discipline, their technical discipline, and they lose sight of the bigger picture. So they're more focused on a set of, Strict or a strict adherence to technical standards um, and miss the bigger picture in terms of what's the what is what will the end state deliver to the company um, and there are times you know we call those exceptions, and uh, you know we have a process here where we have architectural review boards uh, that will review the design and there are times when we will make mild exceptions because uh, getting us to that end state faster has much greater rewards from a business standpoint. Um, So I guess the answer is yes.
2: I mean, if you were to compare leadership with parenting, Mm -hmm. you basically have uh, the children are being led by example. Mm -hmm. And if you want them to, show camaraderie among the siblings and or respect towards the elders or the parents, we have to somehow demonstrate that consciously and subconsciously because they pick up both vibrations. Mm -hmm. That's no different in an organization. So if you were to say the life in the day, a day in the life of of a leader, what would be the examples that you want to set on a regular basis so that people who are already respecting you for what you do or what you've accomplished are also subconsciously picking up on those positive vibrations and eventually show the leadership traits and also embrace that philosophy of I am because we are. Uh, You know,
3: leaders, um, the, the thing that I always worry about is somebody connects the word leader with a level in the organization, and so because uh, George Serdu um, is the head of the IT organization at Comerica Bank, he's got to be a leader, um, and that's not the case. Um, you know, leaders have to, um, have to earn that title, if you will, have to earn that level of respect. And, you know, I've always said, um, at the end of the day, the, the thing that makes an organization successful and, uh, and to really deliver uh, around a one-team concept is trust. Uh, they have to be, they have to trust each other. They have to be trusted by their clients. Um, and and so how do you get trust? And trust begins with results. Um at any level, you have to deliver uh, deliver i've always said results uh, once you deliver results, the results will will uh, generate credibility and once you 're credible, the trust will come and leaders have to they have to they have to live by that uh, we need to be able to demonstrate uh, that we're competent um, that we're good listeners. Um, that you know, and the attributes that we're expecting our people to be dedicated. That we are trustworthy. That we are a team player. Um, that uh, we don't have all the answers. Uh, that the answers are found in the team, not in the individual. And so we have to demonstrate those things. Um, and by demonstrating those, they need to create uh, a, a, level, a set of of uh, tangible results that our people can see, and once that happens again, as I said before, uh, credibility will come, and with credibility will, will come trust as well.
2: When I taught my daughter how to ride a bicycle, I had to hold her seat, assure her all along, and then eventually she was on her own. The That same concept has to be perhaps accommodated, and you can confirm that for our listeners, in terms of how to make a person behave in the right manner for them to be justified as a part of the team. And second is to also help them develop that leadership skill or that DNA over a period of time, but you have to hold their seat along the way. How do you go about doing that? And you cannot be present at all levels. How do you make sure that George's DNA is being replicated or even enhanced by your team your direct report so that it percolates all the way down to the very operator level? So that's
3: part of the mentoring. Uh, I mean, leaders, um, and too often um, we forget. Uh, we forget that part of our responsibility is to build the next generation of leaders for the organization. Um, <clears throat> that is part of our um, core uh, set of leadership uh commitments that we make, um, and so you do that through mentoring. Uh, I do that and, and you find every opportunity you can <clears throat> excuse me to articulate that, whether it's in in my leadership meetings, uh, we have extended leadership meetings as well we have open forums and imparting those views. Um, I also do individual mentoring um, and then expect that level of mentoring and communication. By my directs into their organization, and so on and so on. So, uh, <clears throat> it's a continuous um, set of communications. You have to build that into um, how you act and how you behave and how you communicate. Um, but it is clearly a responsibility uh, that we all have, and it's no so different than you know than um, than as you've uh, as you mentioned earlier, um, you know, rearing our, our children. Um, you know uh, they are going to they are going to live through the examples that we give them and through the experiences that we provide them um that's how they learn and and we have to do the same thing uh i spend a lot of time before we launch meeting uh launch projects in in pre-launch meetings where we talk about uh what could go wrong and and i take the attitude that says you need to talk me into launching this thing not in talk, talking me out of it. So give me all the reasons why I should be worried, and through that come my my experiences, and and that draws out some of theirs. And over time, um, it's all one big learning experience.
2: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at the way leadership as a team sport needs to change when there is a change in business required, or that is not at all the case. So if you have a culture in a company and or some competencies that you've developed, now the business needs to change direction, it goes through M&A or maybe the time demands some different offerings or different way of doing business, that will definitely have a disruption in terms of the human resource that you may have, the processes that you may have and even in leadership that you may have. How do you maintain the team's and the core DNA so that as the team changes in its makeup and the type of people who are forming the team, we do not lose that team spirit. So how do you go about doing it? How do you handle changes? And change is the only thing that's constant. Please stay tuned listeners, we'll be right back and explore.
5: The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google lead the charge portal.
1: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from
4: HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing.
1: If you have a question or comment, call toll free at 1 866 472 5790. That number again is 1 866 472 5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke all.
2: Welcome back. So, we are talking about disruption and that is, and our change, which is basically a constant in today's day and age. So, if we have to. Go through the disruption, build go about building the necessary competencies to handle the change and get even better at what we were uh, what we were doing earlier, that means you will have to have some things which remain the same, which is kind of the culture, the spirit, and that sentiment of leadership being a team sport. How do you make that happen, George?
3: So, you know, it's interesting. I, uh, let me give you a bit of perspective on on change because I think there's a direct correlation to uh, between change and leadership and, and the role of the leader. Um, we're all we're all afraid of change, uh, all of us, and uh, there is no industry uh, that that uh, goes through more change than the technology industry. Um, And and so why are we afraid of it? Why are we afraid of change? Well, we're afraid because of the fear of the unknown. And this is where the leader comes in. The leader really needs to demonstrate and be able to tell the story of the new world. Of what it's going to mean to them uh, when uh, something changes. So I'll do this by way of a quick example. We uh, many years ago we uh, we had several different divisions that that uh, had their own technical change management process. And each of them were doing it a little bit differently. Um, and quite frankly, we were finding on weekends when we were making the changes that people were sort of stepping on themselves because they, they really didn't understand the change they were making was affecting somebody else. So we brought them all in a room and we said, look at, um, you know, th- this is, this is killing us. We really need one common, consistent change management process. And we got them all to agree to that. And you know, my, my next question was fine. Well, which one do we, which one are we going to pick? And of course, all of them said, well, I agree with one and it should be mine. Um, At the end of the day, we said, I'm going to throw them all out and we're going to go to idle. And we're going, we're, we're going forward from that standpoint. And, it was when I finally demonstrated to the people that were making these changes on weekends and living with pagers in those days and beepers. And, and uh, you know, they basically said in a nice way, I hate my job, but I figured out how to deal with it. I wear, wear a pager 24 by 7, 365 days of the year. Um, and I do get paged on my birthday and I get paged on our anniversary, but I figured out how to deal with it. When I demonstrated to them that they would get paged less, and that their world would get better, they ran after it. they ran after supporting a single change management process. So leaders have got to tell the story they 've got to connect the change, and uh, we are constantly changing so um, it, it needs to be part of our of our messaging. Change uh, connotes continuous improvement. And as IT professionals, we need to constantly stay focused on continuously improving our capabilities. And that's part of lifelong learning. Uh, that's part of preparing them for t- potential promotional opportunities and professional uh, uh, opportunities. And that's what will connect them again to those changes.
2: If I were to compare a leader to a weatherman, they would never get fired for those subjective measures, saying that oh my my team is not truly living that leadership as a team sport type of a, a makeup, or they are not up to that level, they are essentially measured in terms of the results they deliver. So perhaps the reason many of the teams out there do not demonstrate that. DNA of being uh, a team sport everybody's working towards towards a common goal etc cetera, etc cetera. the reason they're not doing it is because perhaps a leader at the top level is is not being measured on that particular aspect but it it, it in a way has an impact as you already mentioned on the overall outcome so what should be the role of Uh, a job description uh, where the accountability and responsibility is very clearly outlined for a leader in order for them to be able to do justice to building uh, leaders within the organization.
3: So we believe um, very, very deeply in the DNA of of our company, um, of being a fact-based company. We we make fact-based decisions. Um, And um, our um, measurement system Uh, Starts at the top and goes throughout the entire organization. So we have, well, we have shared objectives. Um, uh, Those shared objectives have metrics attached to those, so that we can demonstrate success or not. Uh, And we are we are measured against those. We are measured uh, professionally and personally against those. Uh, I think that's very very important. Um, I think all levels of the organization of any company has got to chin themselves to results. in in one fashion or another, Um, and and we do. So, um, you know, I'm not sure there's too many professions, like uh, you mentioned, Weatherman. Um, uh, I wish uh, (laughs) uh, sometimes I was that way that I could be wrong and and it wasn't a problem, but that's not the profession I'm in. And that's not the profession of most companies Um, or virtually every company. Um, It is about results and um, driving um, driving results through the numbers, through the metrics, is really, really important. We have, as an example, uh, well over 200, we call, key performance measures from an operational standpoint, and we chin ourselves to over 99.5% of those being meeting or exceeding on an annual basis, uh, and we watch those every single month. So. Um, metrics is a big part of this. Uh, it's a big part of ultimately being able to uh, connect um, credible um, uh, results and, and to uh, credible, credible rewards and recognition. Um, so, yeah, I think I think metrics is a big part of it. To be honest with you.
2: So when you the way you explained it, yes, the performance measures are supposed to be there and there are some key metrics. Do you think unknowingly this teamwork and collaboration and the softer side of life and the DNA, the culture, which is not truly really measured directly, could become a victim? And that's why you have some very castic corporate cultures that exist who might otherwise be pleasing the Wall Street and shareholders quite a bit? I guess.
3: Um, I would hope that, that that's not, Um, I mean, I'm sure that's reality um, in in certain places. I I think at the end of the day, um, the culture that that leaders have to create is uh, is one of integrity um, and one of honesty and uh, one of doing what's right. Um, I've always found if you do what's right. Um, sometimes you're not going to like the answer, but if you do what's right, um, things always happen. Uh, always end up in the right place. So, you know, again, it's part of cultures. Uh, but um, integrity, honesty, transparency, um, uh, data-driven uh, decisions—those uh, are important parts of of creating sort of the um, the criteria. within which uh, an organization behaves.
2: Now, a team does not always win. There are some setbacks, there are learnings. I do not want to use the word failure because usually (laughs) we have learnings or successes. When that happens, it requires resilience for them to bounce back. It requires them to really take a step back and learn about what actually happened, assess the gaps, and perhaps take some conscious measures to fix those gaps so that at least those same mistakes are not repeated. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that that becomes inherent in the team's DNA and everyone is thinking in that mode as a leader and it becomes a team sport so that it not fails, but learns gracefully and then bounce back? So we have,
3: uh, um, you know... uh what you're talking about gets gets into this whole continuous improvement mindset. Um, <clears throat> I wish things, especially in our profession and technology, never broke, but they break. And more often, they break when human beings touch it. Um, so we do make mistakes. And, and I think leaders have to be vulnerable. They have to demonstrate their mistakes. They have to recognize their mistakes and communicate those mistakes. Um, But they also have to be clear that it's okay to make a mistake once. Um, If you make the same mistake a second time, um, I'm going to question your capability. If you make it a third time, I'm probably going to question your IQ. So um, at the end of every project and program and initiative, whether it's successful or not, we have a postmortem. And we review things gone right and things gone wrong. And those we embed back into our processes and our methodologies um, in the way we deliver going forward. So we're constantly, uh, you know, we have this, we try to have this closed-loop circle um, where uh, we're constantly learning uh, both both, um, you know, things gone right, things gone wrong, um, and embed them back into the way, you know, we do our business. Um, so that is important, and it, and it does go, fall into the whole continuous improvement. Uh, taking someone uh, who makes a mistake and um, in, in putting them out there for all to um, uh, see and hear and, and, and uh, is not, in my opinion, is not a good thing. Um uh you know, um, go back to the team sport in, in the beginning of our conversation today, and you know you watch whether it 's baseball or football or basketball. people make mistakes, <clears throat> and they certainly don't um, you know openly um, you know raise that mistake in a stadium. Um, if they need to do it, they do it in a different way, uh, but human beings are going to make mistakes, and uh, we all have to learn from those mistakes.
2: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's compare accountability with countability. So one is to make a person accountable and, of course, manage to make sure that they don't make the same mistake twice or maybe maximum three times. Another is to build them from within. What all can be done besides a stroke, a pat on the back, Uh, uh, some encouragement so that they meet their true potential as an individual, and that's where they demonstrate the leadership and the most competence they could uh, probably demonstrate. And then as a combined effect or cumulative effect, the whole team succeeds. What is it that we have to do in that regard? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and talk about accountability versus countability.
1: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a
4: global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing.
1: CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations.
5: The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google, lead the charge portal.
2: welcome back so accountability versus countability and if you wear the uh, you know hat of a manager you will talk about accountability but perhaps the leader should look at everyone becoming countable these are two different paths with sword hanging over our head in terms of performance measures and results and metrics how much leeway are you able to offer to the people to become take the time to become countable? And how are you able to insulate them from the pressure of that sword hanging over the head in terms of the deadlines and and the commitments?
3: So let me me start with the second uh, part of your question and then I'll come back to the first. Um, So we work in what I believe is the most complex profession uh, of any industry. Our technology is constantly changing. All elements are constantly changing, the world is constantly changing, the expectations are constantly changing, Um, and uh, we as leaders need to do as much as we can to try to simplify that, to try to to, uh, reduce the risk of of human uh, mistake. And part of that is a focus that I've had on for uh, years. Excuse me and that is a focus on simplification and standardization. We have way too much variability, and any company has a mixture of new technologies and older technologies and um, All of those have to play, and they all have to play uh, the right way from a performance standpoint and a security standpoint and a control standpoint um, all of those things quality and so how do you do that and and the way one way to do that and to insulate your people is through process. As, as much as we as professionals love to think we're artists, we're not. Um, we are building things and there are processes and methodologies that we can follow and should follow to uh, to ensure that there is a higher probability of success than had we not. So one is to simplify the environment, is to try to not have what I call every flavor of everything uh, in our environment, and that means sometimes, you know, not making a decision on the latest and the greatest uh, because it's got one more bell and whistle. Um, So that's part of it, simplification and standardization. The second is a commitment and a passion to process. we, uh, we can and should um, uh, invoke common processes and common methodologies, whether it's traditional waterfall or whether it's new agile uh, uh, capabilities. Uh, all of those have processes, and they need to be followed. And so part of the way to insulate our people is through process. Part of it is through training. We need to train them and educate them. We can't just tell them, now go do that. Uh, so we need to give them the tools. We need to give them... Uh, and educate them. Uh, we need to be a bit lenient early on because they need to get experience through that. So we put them on teams, uh, whether they've got more experienced people work, working uh, with them where they can learn from them as well. Um, and then ultimately, you know, on an annual uh, basis, you do you do evaluate their performance. Um, and over time, if that performance doesn't improve, um, Know, then you've got to deal with it which is back to the first part of, the, of your question but to, to keep the saver away from them I think it's simplification and standardization in our, in our profession it's pro- process orientation um, and it's uh, giving them some some latitude to work with uh, peers who have more experience than they do so to give them time to learn.
2: Now interestingly the the new age uh, teams that are being developed there's a concept of two-speed IT that was coined some time back, because what they're saying is on the one hand, we want technology department to be predictable and deliver something on a consistent basis and fewer failures and or issues. And that's one speed where predictability and process orientation is important. On the other hand, we are expected to also help innovate. And in order for us to innovate, we got to be able to do some sandboxing. And mm-hmm. so when we you made a comment about, we cannot be artists, we have to be mechanics, if you will, perhaps there is some artistry required for us to innovate, and these two different groups, they might have to interplay, but still have their own respective strengths in order for you to be able to deliver on both fronts. Now, with that as a new expectation from management and from business in terms of how IT delivers, how does that change your approach to how you're going to handle these two, not silos of the team, but two groups of the t- team who have relatively different backgrounds, different DNAs, different expectations?
3: So we, um, I don't think that's new, by the way, Sanjay. I think I think you've just hit the core of the IT challenge for the last 20 plus years. Um, um, it's always about um, do more, go faster, Uh, but be highly resilient and high availability, high reliability, high levels of quality, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's the profession we're in, and that's the profession we've been in for a long time. Um, So, you know, what we do, um, you know, we have organized around a pretty simple model that I call plan, build, and operate. So I have a a plan organization um, that is focused on strategy and advanced planning and innovation, Um, We have a build organization that goes and builds stuff, uh, both the software and the hardware, and I have a run organization that runs the organization, hardware and software, 24 by 7. And, um, you know, on the plan side, a lot of this is about expectation, and again, this goes back to leadership um, and the role of a leader, and a leader has to, again, articulate uh, and set expectations. Um, historically, we've not done a good job. We have, we have brought things in under the um, auspices of pilot, which have turned into production, which were not ready for production. And, we, and over the years, we've gotten a lot smarter at being much more clear to uh, when I'm innovating, Uh, when we're piloting technology, and when it's really ready for prime time. Um, So part of that is, again, telling the story. Part of that is leadership. Uh, But I don't think it's a new story. I think it's been around a long time for us.
2: All right. So what's your advice for uh, the leaders out there who are struggling to making this leadership as a team sport? What should they do new, different, or more?
3: Uh, Well, there's several things, I think. One, um, you have to work at it. Uh, This is not something that you're born with. This is not an innate kind of thing. Um, You need to work at it. Um, And you need to realize that you can't be successful alone. Uh, This has to be a team sport. Um, especially in our profession, there is no one person that knows everything, not even close. Um, So you cannot be successful alone. Uh, Third, I think you need to surround yourself with good people. You need to surround yourself with people that care and that are committed to improve. and, and so that's, that's the third item. And then I think fourth, uh, find ways to celebrate the small stuff. Find ways to celebrate the successes um, and the personal and professional ex- uh, successes, not only as individuals, but it, as teams. We, we have a lot of team celebrations, um, and I think that's really important. That's, that fosters a one-team concept. Um, and then finally, as a leader, be humble. Um, we all make mistakes. And I think we, as I said earlier, we have to expose ourselves and we have to be vulnerable. And most importantly, we have to be humble. Uh, We all have a job to do. And uh, quite frankly, I'm not really big on stripes. So hope that helps.
2: On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, George, for uh, taking the time here and sharing your thoughts on how to make leadership as a team sport. Thank you. Thank you once again, and uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless.
1: Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show,